Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Hello, fam, and welcome back. And on behalf of Pastor Karen Bernard, Dr. Karen Bernard, our First Lady, welcome, welcome, welcome. We pray that you're staying safe with the reentry program as things are opening up, that you stay safe and smart with how you go back into your community. Pastor Bernard, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Blessed to be alive, blessed to be here. And uh, I feel like uh, I'm living in the past, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. The way things are unfolding, uh, you know, history repeats itself uh, cyclically because regardless of advances in technology, advances in civilization, human nature remains the same. Yes. And that's the only constant that we can really rely on. And as a result, based on that, know how to better organize ourselves and organize our society and respond to needs. Yeah, it's been, a, I would say it's been a crazy couple of months, but these past two weeks, the craziest has escalated drastically. And yeah. it's, it's sad. You know, um, we've gone from pandemic to pandemonium. Yes, yes. And, and even with that, people are going to probably get mad that you said pandemonium. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, we've been talking about prayer, and I, I think we need, we, we need a lot of time, so we're going to get right into the, the topic. You, we talked about prayer, and uh, we had a conversation on Instagram Live last Sunday, which was a very good Insta- uh, uh, conversation. Somebody posted, uh, well, sent me a message and asked me, okay, but how do we pray? about something like this. Where does prayer begin? What does prayer look like for a situation like this? You got, uh, you know, George Floyd, uh, with, with what they're going through, and, you know, he's, he got killed. But then you got... Uh, Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper, a.k.a. Karen. <laughs> not Karen Bernard. <laughs> no, not Karen <laughs> Bernard, but, you know, the, the ones who know Karen, they know about Karen. Okay, okay. But, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and even then, they got, you, you see the, 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 the mindset, because a lot of the women that were called Karen, they want that term to be removed because sure. they say it's racist or it's derogatory or it's not right. But yet, here it is, we are at a place where we're dealing with a situation that we believe was racially motivated, uh, comes, or, or if you want to say, comes off the heels of the racial tension, the killing of George Floyd. Yeah, you know, it, and, and, I, and I posted that it was a torture and uh, a murder. Yep. And not because he's black. It could have been a white man, a Latino, an Asian. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the actions of the police officer, and I don't judge all law enforcement by that one police mm-hmm. officer. He represents less than 1% of those who are bad cops. Yes. Let's call it what it is. Uh, but to, to see that, you know, uh, right in front of our faces, right before our eyes, and I think I, I, you were going to read uh, something that, that uh, I, I posted. Yes. You know, it was strong words uh, to a degree, but it really expressed how, how I felt mm-hmm. uh, observing you know, what was, what was going on. Now, can I read it? It, yeah, says, it yeah. says, this week in America, a black man was tortured and murdered right before our eyes by a white police officer whose actions represent a cancer in the American social system. 
the nation reacted with both peaceful and violent protests. I don't condone the violence, but I understand the violence because when change is necessary, failure to change becomes destructive. Yeah. Very powerful statement. Very powerful statement. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I believe it takes a certain level of logic and, and, and intellect and reason in order to really grasp it, to break this conversation. This is a statement that's packed with so much content, uh, you know, if, as you go through the different lines of what has happened. But people dwelled on the fact that you can understand the, the uh, violence but not condone it. Mm-hmm. And it was different conversations, different individuals. Even after we spoke about it on live, people were still, people not, still got upset. Yeah, they because, got upset with you. Um, so they missed the part where I said I don't condone yes, violence, yes. but I understand yes. violence. Mm-hmm. And they can't understand how I can understand violence. Is, is, is that well, one person said, where's the theolog- theological background to help support that statement? Really? Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness. <laughs> You know, um, when Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do, Mm -hmm. he understood where they were coming from in spite of the fact that they were perpetrating major violence against him. Mm -hmm. He was innocent. He brought a message of love, of life, of light, but he was a threat to the establishment, Mm -hmm. the powers that be. All right? He understood that, and he spoke from a place of understanding that. And only because he understood the violence being perpetrated against him could he forgive them. Mm, that's so, good. So understanding, you know, the passage in, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Yes. Get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get understanding. And understanding is not agreeing <laughs> you know what I mean? You, yes. Just because I understand something doesn't mean I agree with it. Mm-hmm. I understand sin. That doesn't mean I agree with yes. sin. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things that I understand, but I don't agree with. I understand where a person's coming from, if they act out. So I understand that the violence is an aggression rooted in frustration. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. The violence is an aggression rooted in frustration. And I'm not talking about the people who were looting, the people who, you know, were, were, were uh, taking advantage, who were bust in, mm-hmm. the anarchists, the opportunists yep. who were bust in from other places because, you know, a, a significant percentage of individuals being arrested in mm-hmm. these cities around the country are not from that particular location. Cuomo was saying that one out of seven here in New York City uh, came from another place, wow. another location. Wow, and mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would suspect that it may go higher mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, I agree. So I'm not talking about anarchists. I'm not talking about uh, people who make their living, because some people get paid <laughs> yes. to go in and be disruptive. Go on Craigslist and, and to say, take, oh, Yeah, to up. take a peaceful <laughs> protest mm-hmm. and turn it into something other than that. And then the protests will get blamed, yep. all right, for, for, for the violence. But I'm talking about the, the frustration, the anger, the, the anxiety uh, that, that people are feeling mm-hmm. as a result of this you know, crime perpetrated against this black man. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, it's a result, and let me just say, understanding, all right, means that I'm able to grasp the character, the nature, the the subtleties, Mm -hmm. the propensities of a situation, a circumstance, or the actions of a person. Yes. That's what understanding means. Mm-hmm. All right? Yep. I, 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 I'm looking deeper 
than just the surface. Just like with your child. You understand why your child acts immature. Why are they acting out? Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I want to deal with that because that's the cause. Too often, we're busy dealing with the symptoms, yes. the effects, mm-hmm. and not the cause. See, so there's a reason. And, 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 you know, we should ask why before we criticize and we judge. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so, I, I'm sorry, I think biblically, I don't apologize. <laughs> that's good, that. we like that. So <laughs> Jesus is with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a suspect situation. It's broad daylight. The woman has a reputation. Yes. Jesus is there. She's a Samaritan, which is an, an, an added issue. Mm-hmm. All right. And in order to talk with her, because remember, before he got there, he said to his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. I've got to go this way. Yes. So he meets up with this woman at the well. It's broad daylight. She's suspect. He sends his disciples away. Right. Yes. To get lunch. Yep. So that he can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So you have to read into it. So that he can have a conversation with this woman. Because he knew he couldn't have that conversation. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. while his disciples were there. Because they were strict Jews. Yes. All right. And there's no dealing between the Jews and the Samaritans. All right. Mm-hmm. Samaritans were a hybrid people. Rejected and were not considered full Jews. Yep. So he sends his disciples away. And they, they come back. And they're asking him, why is he talking to this woman? You know, mm-hmm. and, and he's saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> let's, let, you know, maybe we need to talk about this, yeah. but he let it go. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, in other words, they're jumping to conclusions based upon what they saw, mm-hmm. but they're not inquiring below the surface. They're, they're not looking into the subtleties, the character, the nature of it. You know, what's going on here? And that's what people do. Yeah, so many, it's funny because everybody says, we have to have a conversation, we have to have a conversation. But the question is, are you prepared to have that conversation? Because I, I, I say that, you know, um, the conversation has to be guided by a certain level of maturity. And when you look at some of these individuals that's really ready to cast a stone, you can tell they're not mature enough to have that yeah. necessary conversation. Yeah. And one of the things I, I was taught is that, you, uh, you've taught us, that, you know, taught you know, me and my brothers that when it comes to having that conversation about race, there has to be an openness and allowance for some type of uncomfortable parts of that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And some people are not ready for that uncomfortable part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. especially if mm-hmm. they may be the problem. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's hard to have that kind of conversation. But you see, that's... What brings understanding? Mm-hmm. You cannot have understanding until you have a conversation. Yep. Until you sit down, and I've learned, regardless of my feelings about something, because emotions get in, in, mm-hmm. involved, I, I, I want to sit down and say, tell me your story. Yep. All right? Let me see it from your point of view. Let me look through your lens, your eyes, so I can understand where you're coming from. Because too often we minimize and we invalidate people's feelings. Yes. Yep. And then we want them to talk to us. Mm-hmm. How can you do that? Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to legitimize their emotions and their actions, but at least validate that it's their feelings. Mm-hmm. All right. So don't minimize it up mm-hmm. front. And then and they get mad when they, won't, yeah. they don't want to talk to you. Yep. No, it's true. Because one time I was having a conversation and, and the lady was upset with uh, how something was handled at the church. And she said, I'm mad at you. And I said, you know what? Let me first acknowledge your... your Anger is legitimate to you. 
I said, so I can't minimize that. You have the right to be angry. Right. And right. too often, uh, you know, they, they will say, get over it. Uh, they're quick to say, get over it. There yeah. are certain groupings of individuals that get over it. You know, this, this doesn't really involve you. This yeah. doesn't affect yeah. you. Yeah. And, but they, they want to take away from the feeling. And the feelings can be really authentic. No matter how true or false the feelings are, they can be authentic and we cannot negate that. Feelings are powerful. Yes. And too often... We don't give enough credence to those feelings because they're pushing people to use their mouths, their eyes, their hands, their body, yes. their influence, their reputation in ways that can be sometimes illogical and mm -hmm. unreasonable. Yes. But they're being driven by those emotions, those feelings. You know, but the, the big question is why? Yes, yes. Why are people angry? Mm -hmm. Why do they keep you know, exploding the way they do. Why are they protesting? And if you don't get to the why, yep. all right, there won't be any understanding. And in this case, there is a why. Yep. Sometimes we don't know why. We can't answer that question. But in this case, we can answer it. <laughs> People are frustrated. Yes. And the, the verse that comes to mind so powerfully is Proverbs 13, 12. And it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. That's powerful. Yes. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when you give someone a reason to hope, <laughs> and that hope is delayed again and again and again, and you're coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse, and then you, then you discover that the system is designed to defer that hope, mm. is designed to delay that hope. Now you're saying, wait a minute, this is, this is stacked against me. Yep. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the word sick there is the Hebrew word halas, H-A-L-A-S. Mm -hmm. And that word uh, is more than just diseased. It means that you're worn out. Yes. It means that you, your patience and your tolerance is exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where these people are coming from, especially people of color here in America. You know, when you have a 400 years history of the marginalization, mm -hmm. disenfranchisement, discrimination against persons of color, right, to no fault of their own because they were brought to this country, yeah. right? Yep. We were brought to this country. They're our ancestors, right? <laughs> and then to be treated as slaves and then even when so-called slavery was abolished, all right, it, it, it continued, mm -hmm. the marginalization, the disenfranchisement, and then you get promise after promise after promise. You take in America, um, those of you that know a little bit of history, 983 treaties were cut between the American government and Indians. And every one of those treaties were broken. Yeah. And the yeah. condition of many Indians who were not able to assimilate into American society successfully, mm -hmm. but ended up on reservations, they are plagued by social problems. Yeah, no, it's so true. And then when you look at it, uh, the fact that we are treated less than 
animals. You know, you 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 see how they have they'll come out. Activists will come out strong when when a, if a dog gets killed on TV, even to the point where a dog uh, is not quickly shot by another cop. They try to de-escalate it before they even try to you know take a weapon out to kill a, a dog. But yet the way we're treated, it, it, and so the, the why is so strong. The why it it, it cuts so deep yeah. that it hurts. Yeah. You know, and and then the downright attack on the Imago Day. Yeah. You know, it's something that we, we, we wrestle with as a church. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to No, that's that. good. I just, that's I just what I'm, 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 I'm so upset right now. <laughs> well, I so. see you got your fatigue <laughs> yeah, on. So I don't yeah, know you know, I was ready. For, you know, I was ready. I was ready. Whatever combat was what? You know, <laughs> back in my day, the revolution wouldn't be televised. That's no, what they told us. No. But it's all over television <laughs> Oh, now. yes. It's all over everything. You know, things have changed in few yes. years. But, yeah, it, it, it's that frustration. Because when you look at the statistics in Minnesota, and I take a, took a look at them, you know, in terms of, how many persons of color yeah. were killed by police in Minnesota over the last 20 years, right? 25% of the males killed mm. were African-American, men of color. The rest were white. But African-Americans represent a smaller percentage mm-hmm. of the population in Minnesota yeah. than the white community. So per capita. Exactly. Yes. We're talking about a high number. And, and we've, we've, we've lived through that. We've seen Eric Garner, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen and heard, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And here, for a prolonged period of time, to apply yourself to an individual, mm-hmm. all right, that you know, when they lifted him up, he was limp. Yeah, he was. It was done. They didn't even try to resuscitate him. They didn't try to administer any type of CPR. You know, as a first responder, one of the things, the first thing we needed, we taught to do is try to see what we can do on the scene before we start moving the body. Exactly. And that no, there was no regard for his humanity. Yep. And that was a problem. Mm-hmm. And to show you the, the, the fact that this is systemic, understand this is, this is within the, the social structure of American society. And we've known this all along. Yes. This, is, this just uh, it doesn't reveal anything. This exposes yes. what we knew was already there. Mm-hmm. And how people, white people in the system, know how to manipulate the system because they, they know how the system works. Yeah, look at Ahmad. Ahmad, right? Look how long it took to, to do the arrest, and they weren't or law enforcement. You know, you know, look how long it took for the government to get involved, that, that you know, to find out this person was playing golf with that person, this person was hanging out with that person, yeah. and the event with this person, and they they were learning, how, they knew how to work the system. Yeah, yeah. Amy Coop, um, Cooper, Karen, right? <laughs> yeah, she's she's a young white woman in in Central, Central Park, Park with yep. the dog, mm-hmm. and that African American brother conducted himself so well. You know, it was. And, and look, his life was at stake. Yeah. But for her to say, I'm going to call 911 and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. <laughs> you can't do that no. without understanding the system. Yep. Understanding mm-hmm. how police look at an African-American yep. male, how the system treats that African-American male, how she's perceived by the system. You know, I... I people know how to manipulate the system because they understand the power structure. Mm-hmm. So this guy, you know, he, he played it very, very well. And she suffered the consequences. You know, does she have a life? Is she a human being? Yes. But you've got to suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. It's like with, with the individuals who loot and destroy property in the name of some call, so-called protest. I, I can understand anger and violence. But they need to be prosecuted by the yep, law. I agree. They need to experience I agree. The, the consequences yes. of their actions. You know, the, the, the opportunist 
are, are, are out there. You know, I was looking at a video I was showing you earlier where you can see a freight train still moving and they are going after the freight train, see them pulling TVs off and other uh, devices off the train. It's like, okay, what does this have to do with your George Floyd? This is really trying to undermine yeah. the fact that there's an issue that we need to address. And then some, some of the people say, see, look, they act like animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's taking away from the real issue. Yes. And that is the horrific death mm-hmm. of George Floyd. Yep. And, and you know, I, unfortunately, too often the, the 24-hour news cycle looks at the story or the part of the story that's sensational. Yes. You know, and it's easy to get distracted. But we've got to stay focused. Uh-huh. All right? We've got to make some changes. And let me just say this to you. When people feel marginalized, discriminated against, all right, disenfranchised, mm-hmm. abused, right, after a while, they're going to push back. Yep. And often they'll push back in ways that are unreasonable, irrational, illogical, mm-hmm. illegal, and immoral. Mm-hmm. All right? But the frustration builds up. Frustration is the result of two things. Number one, unresolved problems. Yep. So when problems are unresolved, frustration builds up. It's true in relationships. Mm-hmm. If, if we're in a relationship, or husband and wife in a relationship, and they're Unresolved problem, what builds up after time? Frustration. Frustration, yep. right? Secondly, unfulfilled needs. If there are needs that the relationship should be providing for each other because the relationship is, should be mutually beneficial, mm-hmm. not one way, all right, frustration builds up. Yep. So when you have people who have been ill-treated for so long, we're talking hundreds of years, persons <laughs> of color, you know, and, and you could go back to... History, throughout history, mm-hmm. with with reasons. This is the why. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And some people think it starts with the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act, where that changed everything. But no, we had to fight to get there. Yes, yeah. Almost a hundred years mm-hmm. after the Civil War, because the the 64 Civil Rights Act brought what? Um, uh, prohibited discrimination in public places. Right. Desegregation uh, of public desegregation, schools. Yep. Came from Brown versus the Board Integration of Education. Integration of schools and other public facilities. Right. And made employment discrimination illegal. I can't get fired or be mistreated because I was black. So that whole year, right up to 1968, mm-hmm. with, uh, changes in the housing law against housing discrimination. But that wasn't the first Civil Rights Act. The first Civil Rights Act was in 1866, coming on the heels of the Civil War. Mm. And what that sought to do was declare that every person born in America, except Indians, Mm. get this? Except Indians, which now we're talking about African Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Are citizens. And as citizens, they are due equal treatment, Mm -hmm. equal protection, under the law, which means that they should now have full participation in the social and political life of American society. That, that came not only on the heels of the Civil War, but on the mm-hmm. heels of the 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery, which ab- abolished slavery in America. So that opened the door for blacks to vote. Mm-hmm. That opened the door for Reconstruction. Yep. And, and, and that gave Ownership. a degree of hope, mm-hmm. you know, but even in the voting process, blacks were being threatened <laughs> not to go to the, yep. to the polls, mm-hmm. not to vote. Blacks were becoming congressmen and senators and, and began to move up in American society. But then Jim Crow shot that down. And as blacks started to own land, the government started coming in and, and, and 
expropriation. They were taking the land back. They were seizing the land back and dispossessing blacks from their own land. And then you had the destruction by white rioting yep. of successful mm-hmm. black establishment. Yep, black Wall Street. Got the whole Black yep. Wall Street in Tennessee. thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So although the Civil Rights Act of 1866 mandated that, you know, we be treated equal, yeah. all right, that all changed. Then Jim Crow and, 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 and um, segregation mm-hmm. came in, and then the system was structured. I was on uh, MSNBC talking to Ali Velke, and, you know, he, he brought up, you know, we were talking about housing discrimination, mm-hmm. and he said, well, you know, that changed in, 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 in 1964 and 1968. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I said no. That never, never. <laughs> I said, that was illegal. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the illegality of it. I said, that was illegal in 1866 with the Civil Rights Act. Yep. But... From 1934 to 1968, the Federal Housing Association, which is a government agency, practiced redlining just to segregate neighborhoods. There was this big housing initiative, and the federal government was setting up housing for white citizens, which now relegated blacks to live in the urban context in projects Mm -hmm. as they built those projects. So they were warehousing black people in conditions that would perpetuate poverty. That's the government, which means (laughs) that means the racism, the segregation is systemic. After World War II, when, you know, the the soldiers came back, vets came back. And, you know, if you know a little history, there were black Americans who went to to fight in the war, mm-hmm. proud and they of defending a, the, the American flag. Yes, and they couldn't even get a Purple Heart, even though they, they earned it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're coming out now with giving some of these uh, veterans of the World War II some of the vet- Purple Hearts and distinguished um, honors and things like that. But back then, they weren't even allowed that. They weren't honored mm-hmm. for serving their country yep. that they love. So when they came back, and some of them stayed in Europe. Yep. Some of them you know, ended up living in other countries. But they came back here, and, and, and they were dishonored. So the GI Bill, another government, <laughs> all right, sponsored thing, all right, was, was presented to give loans so that uh, individuals can open small business to, to, to jumpstart, you know. They uh, can get uh, mortgages mm-hmm. at reduced rates, all right, and they can apply for student loans so they can go to school, and learn a trade, yep. a degree, mm-hmm. all right? But it was intentionally organized in such a way that it kept blacks from benefiting from the GI Bill. So, I, you know, I, we can go on and on yes. and on, but when you have all of that time passing and all of these things being perpetrated against one particular group of people, mm-hmm. they're gonna boil over. <laughs> we boiled over in the 60s, mm-hmm. all right? A lot of legislation was passed, but the system continues to be designed in a way to marginalize some, to disenfranchise some, you know, to discriminate against some, all right, and to empower others. Yeah, it's it's, it's so sad. And then, but what I do see is a big push for some of the white evangelicals 
now compared to you know back in the sixties where they were still you know you can see in the segregationists <laughs> yeah segregationists yeah. yeah we don't even have the time to talk about religious based segregationists oh, you know man. <laughs> we don't have the time to talk about you know and we, and we need to to get me stirred up here yeah because when Brown versus Board of Education kicked in. The government started desegregating white schools. Yep. So in reaction to that, white segregationists formed segregated academies. Mm -hmm. And the government said, that's, that's illegal. You lose your 501c3 status. So they said, okay, we'll change it. So they changed it to Christian academies. Yes. And the Christian academies that we know of mm -hmm. from that period of time were actually segregated schools. Yep. Bob Jones University. <laughs> All right. I don't know what, what station this is going to play on. Some folks may get mad with me. You know, that type of segregation mm -hmm. and racism continued yep. right up into the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s. And this is some of the things that hurt Christianity because they, they looked at it as a white man's religion. They looked at, you know, what, because they used the biblical text to support yeah. their segregation, their, their our racism. That's the hermeneutic mm -hmm. we were talking about last yes. week. Mm -hmm. A hermeneutic of segregation comes to the conclusion that God has determined the separation of races. Well, you know, you know, people asking you know, because they sort of the service. You know, not everybody. A lot of people enjoyed last week's service, uh, but why didn't you speak out last week compared to now? You know what? I want to make informed decisions. Yep. Things change just like that. The twenty-four hour news cycle shifts. People do things, so I didn't want to jump out there and make statements. Yep that the same people who are asking me why didn't I speak up earlier are going to accuse me of saying the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. I, folks have taught me over the years. So <laughs> I'll take my time, watch. Now, if there's a need for something to be said mm -hmm. right away, I'll do that. But I don't want it to be a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. I want to see how things are going to unfold. You know, it's, it's called a period of discovery, mm -hmm. you know, where you keep discovering new information that changes the way you look at a particular situation, circumstance. Also, and you and I talked about this, I had white pastors calling me and asking me, okay, um, you know, what, what do we do? Yeah. We want to do something. What do we do? And that's important because persons of color, we can demonstrate, we can protest, we can march all we want, all right? But it's not until the dominant society, which is still white, mm -hmm. it's not until these leaders begin to use their voices, yes. use their platforms, use their influence to speak out against these injustices that things are really going to change. Because we're in a minority. Mm -hmm. That's a reality. Yeah. So I tell them, I said, use your voice, use your platform. I said, but be informed. And if you need some information, get it, <laughs> call me. I'll, yeah. I'll help you. I'll tell you yeah. what's going on. But make it an informed Outcry. Yes. You know, I was, I was impressed with TBN. The fact that they asked me to come on and be a part of a panel discussion to specifically talk about George Floyd and this whole situation. But then you have people who ask, well, what do we do? Yes. We're Christians. That's a big question. First, first you know, yeah, yeah. What, what do we do? How do yeah. we respond mm -hmm. to this? And I have to say, there are several approaches. And you have to know what lane you're in. Know your lane. Because mm -hmm. if you call yourself getting out there and doing something that you're really not wired to do, all right, it's going to be a problem. Yep. All right? So first of all, pray. Yes. And prayer may sound like, oh, you know, yeah, I can pray and stay safe in my home and not have any <laughs> bottles 
thrown at me or police, police arrest me. But there are people that that's their ministry. Mm -hmm. They know how to engage the principalities and powers, the dark forces that are behind this kind of chaos. Yes. Remember, evil traffics in deceit, mm -hmm. injustice, and chaos. Deceit, injustice, injustice and, and chaos. chaos. That's what evil traffics in. Evil traffics in deceit, deceit injustice, injustice, and chaos. chaos. So those of us who understand that there are spiritual forces behind the scenes, influencing people and social institutions, governmental agencies and systems, all right, to traffic in deceit, deceit injustice, and, and chaos. chaos. Wow, They have good. to pray. And that's yeah. serious prayer. No, that's good. That's, that's good. not, that's I lay really me good. down to sleep, yeah. <laughs> my soul... Mm -hmm. To keep, no, like, yeah. I even forget. And, uh, and it's funny because you mentioned that, and somebody said to me, uh, they said, Pastor I need help. Somebody keep, uh, they keep attacking me saying prayer doesn't work. I said, well, if you, if you approach prayer based on a wish list and you don't, you don't get your answers, you know, uh, you know, the answers for the wish list, of course you're going to feel that prayer doesn't work. Yeah. But we know that prayer yeah. is bigger than just a wish list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're talking about prayer at the level of Daniel. Yes, he was praying for a nation, his nation, his people, mm -hmm. who were in captivity to a dominant power. Mm, yep. And that prayer was resisted by forces. So people who understand this kind of intercession, all right, they're called to pray. That's what they do. And we should never minimize that or belittle that. So number one is prayer. Prayer. Secondly, maybe you're called to advocacy. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, you look at policies, laws, procedures, processes that are in place that are designed to marginalize, mm. that are designed to discriminate, that are designed to oppress. And you now look to do everything you can within your power, all right, to change those laws, mm -hmm. to change those policies, to change those processes, and introduce new laws, new policies, yep, yep. new processes yep. that will take that burden and that oppression off of the people that are being marginalized and oppressed. This is good because... So, advocacy. So, prayer, advocacy. advocacy. Activism. Activism. And activism yes. is where you become vocal. Mm -hmm. You have a platform. You've got a voice. You've got influence. You, you've got followers on your social media. <laughs> yep. Whatever it is, right? You, you become a vocal, and, and, and unfortunately, I have to use this word, it's, it's often negative, but not in this case, a disruptive voice. You want to disrupt the status quo. Mm -hmm. You want to say things that people won't say. But you want to be wise yep. and understand mm -hmm. that there's consequences to it. Yep. Because you want to show that the status quo has a problem and we can't accept things as they are. Mm. They've got to change. Yep. So you use your voice and you present an alternative. So there's activism. Yes. All right. And activism doesn't mean protest. That's, a, that's another one. <laughs> so you got prayer. You've got advocacy. See. You got activism, activism. You got protest. Protest. I'm sorry. I'm taking notes right now. Uh, you know that's <laughs> that's specific acts of, of of protest that involve the gathering of a crowd, the organizing of people, sit-ins. You know, and we want peaceful protest. Yep. All right. To make a statement, to show numbers, to mm -hmm. say, hey, we're tired. We're tired of this. Enough is enough. And here are the numbers are across the country to prove it. And, and the thing about it is when you talk to politicians, two things that matter is, is, is almost equal to, to on the same playing field. is money and votes. And the votes. Yep. Numbers of people. Yep. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's what turns them on, you know. And finally, development. Because 
You want to develop fair and equitable systems and structures. You're crying out. We need to change the way mm -hmm. this goes down. Yep. This can't continue because it continues to marginalize. So that's about replacing these broken systems, mm -hmm. replacing these broken structures. So you've got to know, well, what am I wired for? What am I mm -hmm. called for? Is it to do this, to do that, to do this? You've got to figure that out. Yes. You know, I'm not going to tell you that. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what lane you're in and then get in that lane and ask God to anoint you for the task at hand. Wow, you just equipped so many individuals because I know, like me, a lot of us are asking what should we do? What can we do? What do we, you know, where does it start and stuff like that? So you've just helped a lot of, you helped me with even conversations I'm having with other pastors. Excellent. You know, so this is great content. Thank you so much. And we're, we're way over time. I, I know, think we, I know. <laughs> we're going to have to cut it here. But, you know, prayer is not just appealing to God for, for our personal needs, mm -hmm. you know, because I will tell you, since the fall, we can be very self-centered, selfish, and self-serving. Yes. God didn't call us to be self-centered or self-serving. We are to appreciate each other and treat each other as subjects of God's love and affection. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with the fall, we treat each other as objects <laughs> of our own self-interest. Yes. And that's what we've got to pay attention to. So even something well-intentioned, which is called a structural evil, mm. can be put in place as an answer to problems. But if you don't look long-term, it yeah. becomes a problem. Yeah, because the next thing is, you know, we don't, we don't want just a knee-jerk solution. Yeah. We want yeah. a sustainable solution. Yeah. And, and I would say also, in, in closing this, you know, we, we can't sit around waiting for uh, a new Martin Luther King to emerge, or a new Malcolm to emerge, or a new Stokely to, to emerge. You know, no, we want solutions to emerge. Yes. And if God elevates someone to take on a leadership role, hallelujah. Yep. But in the meantime, we've got platforms, we've got voices, we've got talents and, uh, and anointings. We need to use them. Yes, no, I agree. This I has agree. been a militant service, have it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but needed. It was a needed service, uh, needed conversation. And, and, and like I said, you've equipped us with so many different things to help go forward to have the conversations. Good, good, good. You know, because that's the biggest thing as a Christian. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a, a conversation as a black person, you know, as a Hispanic person, as a brown or black person. But it's another thing to have a, 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 a conversation based on our theology, I believe, as a Christian, you know, and that's where we wrestle with, and that's where a lot of people are asking, you know, on social media when they, you know, they, I interact with them on Instagram and, and Facebook, how do I respond from a Christian perspective? Right, right. And, and look, we're Christian first. Yes. That's the important identity. Mm -hmm. But we live in a nation, we live in a society that perceives us by our color first. first yes. And then judges us. Yes. So regardless of how we perceive ourselves, We've got to pay attention to how we're being perceived and judged yes. by others. Yep. Hey, that's important. Yes. I, hey, I, I think it's... You know, we got to shut it down. We yeah, got to shut it I, down. I, I, you you want to pray? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think we, we need to pray. All right. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So, Father, thank you for your word. When rightly divided, when rightly understood, your word brings light, brings understanding brings hope to even the darkest of situations. Our nation now is in conflict. 
We're working through issues that have plagued us for a long time, not new issues. And your prophet, Jeremiah said, in times like these, you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. Yes, Lord, yes. We can't deny that there is a wound that has not healed in American society. Yes. We cannot deny that there's been a deferral of hope and people are frustrated. Yes, we should not let that frustration translate into actions that undermine the important objective here. But the reality is that people feel hurt, torn, they feel broken, and they want to do something. They want to say something. Lord, give us guidance. We pray for those in positions of power and leadership. Yes, Lord. Federal government, state government, local government. We pray for organizations that are on the cutting edge of all of this change. Father, let it be significant change, tangible change. Yes, Lord. So that we can, as a nation, move beyond this chaos. Bring order. Yes, Lord. Yes, evil traffics in deceit, injustice, and chaos. But we pray for truth to prevail. Yes, Lord. For justice to prevail. Yes, Lord. And for order to prevail. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Father. Use us as you see fit. Open doors. Bring voices together. Bring a, a, a collective voice, a national consensus of outrage. Yes, Lord. Collaboration amongst people and groups in positions of leadership and power so that we can effect lasting change. Yes, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. Another good, another good service. Um, as we leave this place? Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> where do we go from here, right? I know, I know. We'll be back next week yes. or whatever, uh, right? <laughs> pray for the community and don't be biased. Pray for everybody involved. Police officers need prayer. George, George's family needs prayer. Then the people who are protesting need prayer. Uh, pray, pray, pray. This is a time where we need to really pray. And prayer does work. Amen. Yep. Amen. As we leave this place but never God's presence, Jesus, Jesus is Lord, period. period. We believe it, we, we proclaim it, it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard Podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure, subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.